new video game? Bullshit. My name is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I'm a published author and collector extraordinaire. My latest book, The Complete NES, with a Kickstarter sensation, is fully funded and ready to rock and roll. I also have a Patreon book series called The Video Game Culture Chronicles that you could subscribe to at patreon.com slash the subcon3. And we've got guys. Hey, hey, I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro, uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. I just wanted to throw in some things here. So how fast Haunted Halloween 86 funded and how like over the top it's funded. Yes. Let's let's dig let's dig into 86. In the Nintendo Age room, we had Haunted 85 playing. We had a uh, real-time strategy game on there. We had a Sokoban game on there. Everyone who walked in that room, there's a thing with the Super Mario Brothers. There's this thing with platformers. Everyone wanted to know what that game was. And that, in my mind, tells me there's just something key with that. And with the 8-bit, with the NES, I think you guys, when we were talking about previously, should just keep following that path with the NES and keep honing your craft and just keep getting sharper and sharper with the 8-bit stuff and just keep getting better and better. Because obviously, like, you're going in the right direction because you can tell by the reception and... uh I mean, it's it's fucking awesome. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, thanks. That's good information, Kyle. I mean, obviously, we weren't in the room, I guess, as nearly as much as you guys were. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's cool to hear, you know, the perspective that other people get on this stuff. Oh, it's you got you got to think like the the genre you're in is is Nintendo perfect. Like it's yeah. what you think of platformer, like Super yeah. Mario Brothers. Like it's, right, right. Like and that's the key aspect. So so what are you guys trying to hit on for the the sequel Haunted Halloween '86? Like Kyle said, it was it was funded because you guys put a a great goal on the Kickstarter. It wasn't like you guys are asking for you know thirty five thousand dollars to do an NES run. Like you guys are making the game. You're just trying to be able to produce it more so. So you guys yeah. are doing what I'm doing, like putting five grand on it. And then it goes more. We can do more for less, and do shoot them out there more. And it's it's mm-hmm. a great. It, it helps out the company. It helps out you guys being a publisher. Mm-hmm. Like the book thing helps out me put out more, and, and it gets you a lot of cool um, notoriety, and it gets your name out there more. Yeah, a big thing with '85 was that you know we released it as cartridge only, and if we mm-hmm. could go back and do it again, obviously I would love to have had. Uh, you know, the complete in-box version from the launch. But we just didn't have the resources to make that happen. So 
it was like the the priority was getting the game out and obviously getting it out by Halloween. Uh, so we released it at you know Portland Retro Gaming Expo and. Uh, for 86, we just want to make sure that that doesn't happen again, so we can have everything together, ready in advance, and you know, ship it in time for people to have it by Halloween of this year. That's freaking genius. <laughs> now, Perfect. now, Kyle, did you watch the um the the Kickstarter video? Uh, yeah. So, so the whole so the whole video is like a classic 80s infomercial, and the the funny thing is, yeah, as um and you guys planned for it, which was genius. I'm the asshole. That watched it and then called the phone number at the end, <laughs> and, it, and it was the fucking product on the phone number. I was like, "Oh, you guys got me." That was amazing. That was all Thomas. That was Thomas. Him and our buddy uh, Mikey. He they got they made that video and uh, we they came up with that Eugene Crisp's character and you know we just loved it and I like like you said Jeff, I didn't think that the phone number was going to do anything and uh-huh. I called it too to see what he had put on there and i was like thomas this is this is fucking great maybe i was the, like i had to post I, as soon as i called it i'm like holy shit i called the phone number i had to post it on the kickstarter because i'm pretty sure that most people aren't going to even watch to the end of the video because right. like, be, being another kickstarter creator like you can see everybody that's watched the completion of the video and i think it was like less than 10 percent on mine watched it all so but yeah. your guys's is like like entertaining so i i watched the whole fucking thing like, and then and of course i called and like that's why like, i'm gonna do something funny as shit for my next one like i i have to like it's, it's gonna happen yeah it putting that making that video it was like you know super crunch time to get that to get that out and like i said thomas and mikey they did a great job with that and you know we were just trying to have fun with the kickstarter not be so serious and just you know do something that would be entertaining but also show people that you know we're we are serious about this like we really want to make a kick-ass game for 86 well i think one aspect is is that and i tried to accentuate it last kickstarter for me is that like you guys have put out a game you're not backing an unknown and i think that was where like when i compared you earlier to collector vision that's one aspect is they haven't actually put out a super nintendo game and then they went and got two different super nintendo games funded on kickstarter without putting pushing them out you guys did the let's release a game first and now we're gonna go through and it works because it's like all right so you guys want to see what the quality is well we have this game right here that you can already play and buy yeah, that that was our exact strategy, and like I I had said on the Kickstarter video, um, the one where it's just me, you know, yammering on about stuff, um, uh-huh. that we just weren't we weren't comfortable going to Kickstarter and asking people for money before we knew we could do this. And you know, when, when this whole thing started, it was just Tim and I sitting in his living room brainstorming, and we thought like, well, do we go to Kickstarter? You know, and it just didn't feel right. It just was like, well, no, let's make this happen first as like a proof of concept, and then if we make a sequel, then we'll go to Kickstarter. Right, I mean, that's smart. <laughs> And like that's why like I waited when mine I waited till my book was written, so that's why I was able to get it out by like August September's because I had I was working on it for two years prior to that and had it good to go, and essentially I got the money from Kickstarter, threw it to a publisher and got them out. Um, that's why when other people in the community that have been named in previous episodes tried to strong arm me to not do my book, I was like, hey dude, mine's already done. 
EI is gonna have haters and shit. Yeah, yeah it's just hilariousness. But but it's like, dude, we're in a, the community's big enough for the for all of us. I was checking my messages on the updates for the eighty six, and uh, I saw you guys just hit the um, funding for the end game map. Yeah, at fifteen. Yes. exactly. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah, Tim, since this is like your favorite thing, why don't you talk about this? Well, yeah, then, yeah, the map is, is something that we wanted to get into, and we were hoping that we could get to the point, like, we're really looking forward to making this. This is this is something that we've wanted to do for a long time, where we can ex- explore Possum Hollow, the town, and, and, you know, some of the secrets, and actually put a visual to the actual town map, um, not only for us, but for the people that love the game, like you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So, yeah, I mean, that's there's nothing more we can really say. It's just, it's going to be totally visual, and it's hopefully going to explain a lot of things and give people a new perspective on the town. It reminds me of, like, Simon's Quest, when you got that big map, and uh, now now there's people actually reproducing those maps that you can buy and frame. But, I mean, those were the good old days. You know, it was just this huge world like Zelda 2, a place that you can visualize in your head full immersion you know i think that's yeah. the key yeah. there's just so much that we have and and ideas that we can't actually like fit in the game or tell in the story of the game because you know it's limited and yeah. you know it, and we don't have a book to accompany the game which i would love to do i think that would be awesome <laughs> but you know what oh, i'm saying yeah. <laughs> so somebody somebody's already approached me on that i don't know who that was <laughs> right there's just there's so much more to the story and i think we can tell yeah. it through the pictures and through the map and uh i think it's just going to be a great keepsake yeah yeah it's, it, you just keep following this path and I'll follow Donnie Johnstown to the fucking grave, man. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, at the um the time of this recording, the Kickstarter's still going on, but it will be funded. And we can go over some like stuff you've learned from the Kickstarter, some tips and tricks, like what you're going to go to when you go to the next game, whether that's 87 or another game altogether. You mean like marketing tricks or, or like... Just like a couple aspects, because I mean, I've overanalyzed your guys's kickstarter itself and you know there's a few aspects where mine i had like success with versus like with yours where i noticed like your top one like you had no backers on it oh like the like the five dollar thank you did you have any on the five dollar thank you yeah is that what you're saying are you talking about the expensive backers the the five hundred dollar classmate oh yeah apparently we have one coming in but yeah, that's that's something that, you know, we actually didn't I don't know, I can't speak for Greg, but I didn't know if anybody would do that. So so from my aspect, we had an NPC tier for a black box challenge. Okay. And it sold out because we put it at two hundred dollars and they got to say a word, say a text. So if the eight bit likeness, if that would have been the schoolmate, the two hundred dollar one, it probably'd be sold out right now. Hmm, okay, well that's good uh, that's good criticism. So so basically if you're gonna do that, do like the Possum Hollow yearbook, I think Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna do like a two hundred dollar one, like here here would be my recommendation for like a different way. Um so you have you put your likeness in and they get to have a yearbook quote. Like how each person would always write in your yearbook. Basically you would say something from you would say something from the eighties, like something funny that had to do with you. 
in the yeah, yearbook. Just and it, it would all be based on limitations in the game on how many you can do. So that's why we had, we can only have so many because of limitations for the game. Yeah, Goonies never say die or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> what, whatever. And then like maybe three hundred or four hundred dollars, whatever. You're also gonna be able to be in the physical yearbook, which would be your compendium. Okay. Like they would be able to be in it. We had thought about doing, you know, a, a physical version of the yearbook, and that, that kind of uh, speaks to what I was talking about, what I wrote in the the Kickstarter thing about, um, you know, the game being our focus because this, you know, this is the first Kickstarter campaign we've ever run. It's smart to do it that way. We didn't want to try to do other things like peripheral things that that weren't yeah. the game itself. We didn't so want to lose focus have, at all. Yeah. yeah, which is a good choice at that point. Yeah. I really think, though, and that's why, like, when we're talking, like, it's more so if you decide to make this a trilogy, having a trilogy compendium would be a good idea. It wouldn't okay. be just yeah. one single game. Yeah, because there's something about trilogies that's just epic, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if we do if we do the, the third installment, um, we're going to take a full year to do it. Like, the way we're doing this stuff now is just too insane to try to, like, start coding in April and put a game out in, in October. It's it's like starting a book in January and publishing in April, like my dumbass. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's insane, man. If we do the if we do the trilogy, which we'd love, love, love to do, um, we're gonna give ourselves a little more time so that we can do things like you guys are talking about, so we can have some peripheral stuff going on. Do do a full yearbook, have a physical copy of it, work on getting other like people's likenesses into the game. We just we just were trying not to convolute things, basically. Here's what's funny. We're coming up with all this because this stuff's, like, so inspiring and cool. I mean, that's the thing. That's a sign that, like, it's, like, perfectly in the right direction. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, in, in my opinion, you shouldn't even do 87 or the, the final trilogy next. You should do a different game. Do something new. Because you'll learn some stuff with a different game if it's in a different genre, even. Or whatever, however you want to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because people are going to be like, oh, where's A7? Where's A7? Makes them want more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeffrey, hanging that carrot. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is that you, it's it's the classic example of with 80s horror, we would get um, we would get 100% like numb to getting a Friday the 13th every year. Or, you know, you get used to it and you sort, sort of get everything isn't as cool because you get it too much. And put it, if you put the game out every year, it's turning into damn Call of Duty and shit. Like, oh, right. it's the same fucking right. game again. Like, but if you if you put out a different game and then like, okay, now we're gonna finish up the trilogy, and then now you're adding all these extra aspects. You've had time, like a couple years to to you know, in a couple years, like sounds like a long time, but time fucking flies, man. It sure does, man. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And especially with conventions and stuff, and basically use the whole time to market it for two years, like just you know fishing out there when you're at con- conventions talking about it. They're still going to be playing '85 and '86, like they're not going anywhere, and they're still going to be great. <laughs> We're still fucking playing Castlevania Ninja Gaiden, like it ain't going yeah, anywhere, right. man. <laughs> that's what's cool about dealing with a game title that's in the past because it's not like madden or you have to keep up with the year you can just take your time and release it when you're satisfied yeah that's right yeah yeah these hey greg these guys are pretty sharp aren't they absolutely i mean that's what i was thinking like we should all sit down 
and have some beers together and brainstorm these ideas, you know, like put pen to paper and, and start, you know, start planning some of the stuff out. Cause this is the stuff that Tim and I do. And in the, in the rest of the retrotainment crew, you know, we like to talk about this stuff, but it's really cool getting uh, like some outside perspective from other people. I'm totally down. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And we'll do it at Philadelphia. Phillies for sure. Like, Kyle doesn't leave the um the Midwest area, so he'll be at Memphis Gaming Classic next year. <laughs> That's what's good about Skype. We can we can always have more of this. Yeah, uh, and I'm yeah, drinking absolutely. a beer right now, so it's <laughs> you can be in your own comfort zone. You know, you don't got to move for nothing. That's how we do it. Yeah, we will definitely chill at too many games and all that, and whatever other conventions you guys are heading off to. I'm going to like a million now because I keep getting invited like every other week to a different one. Yeah, well, that's and that's kind of where we're at. We're we're trying to fit the conventions in. You know, mm-hmm. we get we get invitations to various conventions, and we just only have, you know there's only so much time. And our focus between now and Halloween has to be on '86. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's the hard part, and I, I have to figure it out too. I put that in my um my pitfalls is that all these conventions, and I'm. I have three, essentially three books right now I'm working on concurrently, and it's it's fucking nuts, because I got the Super Nintendo book, I got my my uh, 1991 coming out, the, you know, the um, Video Game Culture Chronicles, because 90 was just published, like, I'm halfway through 91, and then the special project, <laughs> the fucking crazy one, that I'm going to, that'll be in Barnes & Noble. Oh, I was, do we know about this? Um, you may have seen the book because you may have it in your possession. So, but it's going to Barnes and Noble. Oh, oh, oh! Full publishing deal. Nice, congratulations! Oh, I didn't know you got yeah, that. I have a deadline of July. <laughs> like, and and um, I don't know if you knew this, and we haven't mentioned it on the podcast, but I have a review in Retro Magazine on my book. Tearing my book apart, <laughs> nitpicking oh. it, because the guy had an ulterior motive and is involved with a different project. And that's me analyzing that. But basically, I take all the feedback I've gotten and I'm rewriting, and they don't, all these reviewers, they, they don't know that I'm doing a second printing in mm. an actual publisher. And I've already added all the sections that are missing from my book. So it's not just going to be licensed. For the second printing. Oh, you're going to do unlicensed too? I already have unlicensed 100% written. I have PAL exclusive 100% written. I have label variants 100% written. I have test cartridges, holy grails, and homebrew games. So you may or may not have Haunted Halloween in the published book that'll be in Barnes & Noble. Oh, wow. That (laughs) would be fucking rad. I I wonder... I'm only going to put the the better homebrew games in, so I wonder if Haunted Halloween will be in. <laughs> we can only hope. Well, yeah. Hey, we made the top 18, didn't we? We made the top 18 in your Twitter list. You're in the fucking top 18. That's just because my case only holds 18 games. Hey, I'll take <laughs> it. I'll take it any way we can get it, man. That's yeah. right. That's what she said. Uh, but we, <laughs> yeah, we, we, my top 18 is starting to get refined, which is great. Uh, there's so many good games coming out now that... Like it's it's great to be able to have a solid one, a solid top, top ten NES games, but that includes like license for me. Kyle's talking all time haunted Halloween in his top ten. I'm not joking though, like for real. Wow, I mean that's, thanks, brother. That, that's a statement, yeah. I mean, 
I'm geared more toward the the gothic Halloween spookier types mm-hmm. of those types of games, like your splatter houses and stuff like that. That's likely I'm kind of partial to that. I mean, I'm I'm skewed to that, but um, just in general, like just, yeah, just keep rocking it out, keep going nuts on it. We will. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the encouragement. We definitely will. Like we're gonna we're gonna give this our all, you know, to try to make eighty six the the you know, some of the expanding gameplay and stuff that we wanna do. We uh it's gonna be tricky, but you know, we're gonna do our best to try to pull all this off. We'll so get it done. Yeah. We're gonna do it. And I so I think the one thing you guys were saying too <laughs> hit hit a one aspect that we've covered on the podcast in other media regards, which we would talk about like YouTubers and podcasts that hit the the um, jump in the shark was our first episode, but like in pod fade from podcast is take your time. As long as you guys can make the business aspect work and it's still fun, keep it going that way. If you start trying to make it too stressful, you're going to turn into somebody who has to take a vacation away from video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. The other thing is how many people have really beaten the game through? 85? Uh, yeah. Oh wow, that's we have a couple people that uh that we met actually a couple dudes that we met at PAX South that uh they beat the one dude beat the game in, you know, by the next day. Um and he, but he says that's he's like the, I guess kind of what you're saying Kyle, he's like this is my thing. This is my genre. Yeah. I love these games. This is exactly what I do. So I yeah. I get really good at these kind of games. Right. It's it's our bread and butter that we grew up with. Because yeah. a few people that I talked to personally who got the initial first pressing of the game, they were like, I can never get past the birds. So it's it almost comes to that point, too. I mean, you're making another game, but I, that's a, the sad thing that we've talked about on the podcast, too, and it's not meant to be a downer, but how many people actually like try to play the game to its end? You know, It's funny. How many people yeah. just, just get it and put it on the shelf, and it's just like another notch in their belt well yeah that's that's something with the homebrew community how many people are just collecting and how many people are playing mm-hmm. Craig yes. and i have this argument all the time like you know are people really playing these games or are they just stowing them away like baseball cards in the 80s you know exactly and and that's yes. one thing that listeners need to make sure they understand and what we didn't really mention earlier in this episode you guys are making games for gamers. That's why we're able to pick things out that have deeper meaning. In some of the other games that homebrewers make, they're making it just for the collector aspect, and that's why they put out the quick game. Yeah, and I respect both sides because I, I love homebrews. I do. It's it's two sides of collecting. Right, it's, it's two, two sides. sides of gaming. Yeah, Absolutely. and but but I hope that we can achieve that our games are both collectible and have have the stones to be a good game and something that people want to replay and that people care about. Yeah. See, that's outstanding. I don't know how you feel about that, Greg. Well, Oh yeah. I mean, that you took the words right out of my mouth. It's, I mean, it's great if somebody buys a game and puts it on their shelf because they like the look of it. But like we're, we're putting all this time and effort into it so that hopefully people actually get to enjoy the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you get jerks like us that play it for homework and overanalyze <laughs> to a T. Yeah, but this this is great. Like, oh, this it, is like awesome. we said early on, there's so few people who have actually dug into it like this, or maybe they have and they just haven't told us about it. But right, uh, yeah. I would I would venture to say we that hope. most people have not dug this deep. Yeah, me me too. 
Me too. And, and in my aspect too is if you want to hit the collector market, all you have to do is one thing and do a twenty limited run and put it on Nintendo Age forums for an auction. Like you'll make some money. <laughs> like yeah, if you look on Nintendo Age, look at the limited edition for for Legends of Alia. I had to pay like a lot to get my copy, and he hit me hard because his aunt had cancer, and I was donating to that too. So. Oh, yeah. I, I had no problem donating extra as long as if that was legit, then it was well worth it. One thing we're trying not to do is um, like water down what we're doing, I guess, in that we don't want to have a bunch of different releases of the same thing. Yes. I, I totally hear what you're saying, but we we don't we, we just want to make quality games, and I feel like. If we start mm-hmm. going down go, going down that road, um, yeah, it'd be a nice you know influx of, of, of money. But like, are we are we cheapening what we've done? I, I don't know. I guess that's a matter of opinion. But right. um, that's just kind of we're torn. And some people feel ostracized because they aren't one of those ten or twenty people that are getting the limited run. And then oh, absolutely. If yeah. they if some people only care about being a part of that exclusive club. And then maybe they won't buy the regular game and they're missing a totally great experience by not buying the standard edition that they would play for hours and hours and hours and truly love. Exactly. I think that's much more eloquently put than how Rob put it from Slydog because we asked him the same question and he, he never would do uh, limited edition runs. But I think that the main difference between what you guys are doing and others, aside from... The quality aspect is that you are also, you have stores that you run. Your first one you ran with the launch of Cash and Culture, the website, like for 85, you go to conventions, you're there showing off your game. You're not there just selling some Nintendo games and then have your game with it. Like when I go, I just sell my books, the same aspect. Well, right. You have to represent what you care about. Yeah, we care about our business and selling, but those are, those are other people's games. We're we're there representing our own work, and, and that's that's the different aspect is is that like those guys are using the limited edition auction to make their funds, but you guys will make that in a convention. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, Jeff. I I love the auctions, and I love the limited editions. It's a different world. It's a we're just I think we're in two different worlds, right? And and then you have people like me that have been collecting homebrews since Battle Kid, which isn't the beginning, but that was when it started to pick up, and I was getting all the limited editions and all that stuff, and now the prices have gotten to the point where it's like Neo Geo collecting. Right. So I, I can't afford them, so I have to pick like I have to pick a genre or a programmer that I like or certain games to get limited editions of if i can um but other than that like i can't just go and pop down freaking two hundred dollars every time every week when somebody releases a new le right yeah would you ever sell some of your old homebrews jeff like are you the type of person that would get rid of them to afford new ones or do you keep everything you buy kyle is definitely i'll keep everything aspect type person I have to move around every three years for my job. Okay. So I have to keep a, a smaller collection. Homebrews are always something that I never get rid of. Um, and I still have all my homebrews. 
um, unless they're just completely like I find out something about it, like or I get an offer for something. I think I traded. I had a copy of Neotoxin, which I don't know if you heard of Neotoxin. I haven't. Well, I've I've heard of that, but I haven't seen it. Super super early. I think it was 2004 homebrew. Four copies made. I had a copy, and one guy traded me the limited edition of the first Battle Kid. Hmm. And so I have the uh, and I have the LE because Battle Kid was like what you guys did with 85. They, he only released it card only. However, there's an LE that has a box version. It is a clamshell box, but there's a boxed version. Mm-hmm. So, and I was obsessed with the game to the point where I did the um the boss rush mode broke faster than the speed run times on YouTube and got a copy of the LE for two because I broke the record because there was a competition. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I got matching. I got a matching one and two. Um, but like I traded a Neotoxin for that. I've I've sold off some stuff on Nintendo Age, but generally it's either to get something through the community and it's only the community people. Like I traded off um or sold the t- I had a teal campout edition of the, the Nintendo Power Pack, mm-hmm. um and that was simply it was a flash card and I I have an EverDrive and I like the auto saves on the EverDrive so I got rid of my Power Pack, um and somebody really wanted that campout one because there was only four of those made and they were released at the campout event that I attended. <laughs> That's how limited mm-hmm. edition some of this crazy shit gets. Right, I hear you. No, it's fucking nuts in the, the rabbit hole. This dude. Do you have any of the is elusive scare carts? Um, I didn't get any of those. I know who made them, and I mean he has a one off that I made him of a <laughs> body. He has a one off that I made him for Christmas. Yeah. I made it. I made him a black box challenge prototype. Nice. Yeah, he's a great dude, man. It's just Rickrolled when he plays it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like never gonna get you <laughs> now i i i have some crazy ones i i have one of the first uh pink panesians that came out um i think there's five of those made it has all three of the panesian games on one cartridge well, nice. yeah that's a classic yeah i have some of the early um apid xmases and sudoku and some of the craziness cool I got a chip maestro for some guys too. That was a pretty. Good yeah, I think uh, didn't you get no. that in trade? <laughs> I got that from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, at Midwest Gaming Classic, a really old reproduction, home or not reproduction, but an old homebrew was there. Yeah. One of the first BioForce Ape competition cartridge. Oh, a competition card of that. Uh, before the prototype, when that game was, that game was one of the most legendary Nintendo games undumped for the longest time. And before the prototype was found, a homebrewer made a version of it. Wow. And it, and it scrolls screen by screen, kind of like Mega Man style, or, you know, like, it's like a flick screen. Right. Instead of a, a scrolling like the real game is, because they didn't know. Well, how does that even play? Because the game is, the, it's so fast. It's completely different, man. It's like it's just a little slow beat 'em up. It's it's way different. Wow. And I just happened like when I would go around at Midwest Game and I'd ask people, Hey, do you have any home brews? Like I see guys who have reproduction cards and they usually didn't know the difference and I was kinda using that to prove my point when I do my book that nobody knows what the difference between a home brew and a 
reproduction is. Right. And a hack. And then these guys were like, well, I happen to have. And he had a, a few of these um, not worth collecting competition cartridges for, <laughs> for BioForce 8. They made a, I think they made 80, but it's numbered to 100. They skipped 20 in the middle. <laughs> and it, it came with two buttons for BioForce 8, and it's really fucking cool. <laughs> so you bought it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got one, and I let Kev bot know, because he freaking would have been mad if he couldn't get one, and it was there. So <laughs> let him know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that was a really cool one, and that's, like, one of the older, one of the oldest homebrew that I have. Did they know what they had? Like, did they just give it to mm-hmm. you? They, they were the ones who initially sold it. They just oh, don't oh. publicize it. They don't put it on forums. They just go to conventions. If somebody at, happens to ask them, they sell it. So, I was one of those randoms. Nice. Yeah, nice. That's a good find. That is a good find. This year, it was gaming classic. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> like craziness. I have some random shit too. I have a Battle Battle Kid Fortress Apparel Famicom game. <laughs> cool. That's whacked. That's white. It has the label on it. That's crazy though. <laughs> it, there's only one that I know of that I've ever seen. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I was going to say, we, uh, we've we been tossing around the idea of trying to put out a Famicom version of 85. Yes, please. Um, Drink cartridge. And, <laughs> and I, I didn't, Not I didn't know if anybody else had done this. Zombie green. Zombie green, baby. Because I got the gray because I got the initial run, and Kyle got the green. I love zombie green. Yeah. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of good feedback about the green, and actually that was one of the things we put on the Kickstarter about potentially yeah. doing uh, like a pumpkin orange for 86. Ooh. Yeah, because that was the first thing Kyle asked. He's like, Ooh, he, cool. he looked on your Kickstarter. He's like, oh, they're not doing a green one. Damn it. And then you posted the green one. <laughs> He's like, yes. Yeah, well, so that's what we were saying. <laughs> For anybody who was a Kickstarter backer, they would be guaranteed to get the green of 86 if they wanted it. Um, and then we would, if we could get the orange version made in time, then we might do that, like do the official release in just orange and gray so that only Kickstarter backers could get green. Right. Nice. Right. I just want whatever the first version is, which is like I got the gray for the other one, and it's it's signed by somebody. It says like two O's on it or something. <laughs> it kind of supersedes like what it even is. It doesn't even matter the fact that we're just supporting it on its initial run is special. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for your support. It's awesome. Oh right. Hey, likewise, I can't thank you enough for the entertainment. <laughs> come home every day and play that game and it's like awesome every time cool. yeah that's so cool to hear and and that's the other aspect too is when i get shit signed that never leaves it never goes anywhere yeah. Then, oh, I, yeah then i have my own personal connection to it like hey i freaking hang out with these dudes we're gonna have beer freaking too many games like like all those aspects like lead to stories and what do we do we fucking tell stories on a podcast and at panels so <laughs> like that's what we love like that's it's yeah. part of it's part of our gaming experience it's what we like to do as gamers right i mean shit shit my whole super nintendo compendium this because i'm doing two books not one for my kickstarter and the compendium is just going to be fucking stories like it's all nostalgia it's going to hit home that's yeah i think th- i think that's a really good what you're doing there with that, with the stories in the second book. Yeah. It's just like the culture chronicles, the 90 it's, it's more short stories, opinionated pieces and just like what happened with us. And you know, it's, it's a quick read and that's, 
that's why a lot of reviewers like the one in retro magazine they don't really get what i'm trying to do and they're looking at it from like a novel perspective or a you know reviewer perspective or something i'm like no i'm not doing these six page reviews on super mario brothers that's all text and it takes somebody three weeks to get through it because it freaking reads like a damn bible like no yeah. no i want some i want i want you to look at it and go oh i fucking remember that level that's awesome and then you read it and there's like a tip where you can get to the world eight using two uh warp whistles in mario 3 and you're like i remember doing that that's freaking awesome like that's the key right there you gotta like i'm trying to make books more palatable whereas you guys are trying to make games a better experience from a homebrew perspective like like we're all trying to do some revolutionary stuff here and it's outstanding that we're all able to do this around the same time when everything explodes so yeah, i mean i don't know if you've been to conventions in the past but they are getting big well, we've definitely seen a change over the last couple of years here. It's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty weird. They're getting big. And it's my, my one buddy, he is a very much a uh, pessimistic around here. Like he'll, he'll say, oh, this is going to fail. This isn't going to do good. He says, I'm going to be in trouble with my, with the Super Nintendo project because he's like the, the Super Nintendo's untapped market. No, it's a perfect timing. It's going to be fucking crazy. Yeah. And, and and that's the aspect from a literary perspective. It's it's going to be, I can go on with books forever, and then you guys need a freaking compendium yearbook or something. We can, uh, oh, we can do it. And I do all my formatting, all my templating, everything. So it's like, it's no craziness of time frame. That's why I can get these books done quickly. InDesign's awesome, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're just, yeah. I think we're all kind of on the same page here. We, we you know, we... Uh, we're just happy to be a part of this whole thing, and um, you know, if it if it blows up even more so, then that's fantastic. But even where it, where things are at right now, like we're super happy with how things are going with the, just the retro gaming community in general, and you know, it's it's just awesome to be a part of all this. Yeah, we can't thank you enough for having us on too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. thank you. It's you been know. great. The key is though, is that like you can tell that you guys are passionate about it, and the fact that you're doing your own thing and then people know that they'll cl- clamor onto that. I could feel it and sense it right away. Yeah. Hopefully you guys feel that through the game. And you know, if like we, you know, we connect on Facebook and, and at conventions, you know, we're just dudes just doing this cause we want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, definitely. Thanks for yeah, having thanks us. For on. Having it's been us. fun. And if you if we can come back and talk about '86 later, that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be our pleasure, and thank you. Absolutely, because we'll probably you know tear that one apart as well later. Oh, please do. It's a given. There's going to be a lot more in there for you guys to dig into. Oh, we got fi- we got to find Greg <laughs> Nightmare Mode. It's right. I got I, I took notes, brother. <laughs> Greg Nightmare Mode is coming. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is going to be sick. Cool. All right. Cool, man. All right, well, thanks, guys. Yep. All right. No All right, thanks, gentlemen. See ya. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 26226 4 bgbs You can leave us a voicemail. 
use the text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo. Later.